God. So our flesh has a voice and, and always wanting what it wants. And so that's a voice that we're having to kind of weed through at time. Uh, people around us have a voice. Um, well-meaning, well-meaning people have a voice. I've had a lot of people try to insert advice in my life and they were very well-meaning, but their advice was stupid, right? They had a voice. It was horrible advice. They had best intentions, had, well, had good intentions. And then there's people uh, around us that, that don't have the best of intentions, always willing to give uh, their counsel and their advice, uh, even, even to be misleading or to be manipulative, right? So you got the voice of God, the voice of Satan, our own voice of the flesh, you got the voice of people. You know, did you know even, even the earth, even creation has a voice? According to scripture said that uh, the earth itself cries out and declares the great works of God. So there are all these voices that we see and we hear and, and we have to be able to weed through and determine what voice to listen to and which one not to listen to. You know, through all the, and all the gifts of the spirit that the Bible teaches about, one of, one of the gifts on the list is the gift of discernment. And what that means, what discernment is, is basically being able to tell what's of God and what isn't of God. And I believe that that is such a, there's such a desperate need. I mean, everybody, we talk about the gifts of the spirit. Everybody always wants to go for the big boomers. Well, I want the gift of healing where I lay hands on somebody and they, they're healed of all of their sickness. Or I want the gift of prophecy and, and all of the, and they're all good. I mean, don't get me wrong. All the gifts of the spirit are important, but something about it in a day like today, based on the prophecy of Jesus, who ultimately said, Hey, deception's going to get worse. The longer time goes on and the closer it gets to my return, deception is going to get worse. The voices are going to get louder. And so what we need desperately to pray for regularly as God's children is for discernment. God, help me to just know what is you. Help me to know your voice and reject every voice that isn't so that I'm not deceived. Amen. Include that into your regular prayer life. God, give me discernment. And it comes if we desire it. But in this particular scripture, he said, you'll hear that word. You'll hear that voice saying, this is the way that walks in it. So what ultimately God is promising to us is that in a world we live in where there's so many voices, God promises, if we really want to hear his voice, we'll hear his voice. And how many of you know you have to want to hear a voice in order to hear it, right? If you don't want to listen to your wife talk, you don't have to listen to your wife talk, right? You can, you can tune her out. Or if you really want, but if you really want to hear what she has to say, you can force yourself to listen. Amen. So God's saying, we'll listen. There's plenty of voices. We're going to listen to one of them. Let's make sure we're listening to the right one. Um, the, that very next verse, just to tap this off here. Then, in other words, then after you've heard that right voice and you've known whether to go right or go left, he said, then you will defile your carved idols overlaid with silver and gold-plated metal images. You will scatter, scatter them as unclean things. You will say to them, be gone. Ultimately, what, what the word is telling us here is once we have tuned in to the voice of God and we're going the direction that we know God has sent for us to go, in those moments, all of those idols, all of those lusts, all of those voices that we know ultimately are leading, trying to lead us other ways, we will say to them, be gone. In other words, what we find is when we find ourselves in the center will of God and we know that we're on the road that leads to God, then there's, what else do we need, right? It's like Peter said, Jesus said, will you, will you guys leave me? And Jesus said, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life, amen? And so nothing else seems to be important once we have tuned in to the voice of God. 
We have a lot of weeding sometimes to go through these voices I'm talking about in our own flesh. But I'm here to propose to you this morning that we as the children of God, if, if we long to hear his voice, he'll make sure there's a way that we can hear it. Amen? That's important. In 1 Corinthians, some of these I'm going to hit kind of quick. You can turn with me if you can get there quick enough. Um, otherwise, you might look on the screen. I want to hit them kind of quickly. But uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 6, um, he said, Now, brothers, I come to you speaking in tongues. How, how will I benefit you if I come to you speaking in tongues? How will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation uh, or knowledge or prophecy of teaching? Uh, if even lifeless instruments such as the flute or the harp do not give a distinct note, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if, it, uh, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not, uh, is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. Uh, there are doubtless many different languages in the world, none, none of them without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker and the speaker to the foreigner. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestation of the spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. So, so let me say all that. I read all that to say this. And there's a lot built into there, obviously, and I'm not going to go into the details of all that. But what we find is that there are a lot of voices, and none without significance. There's a purpose uh, behind it. Whoever's behind the voice, there's a purpose there. Um, and all of these voices that I, I mentioned a minute ago. Um, but what we, look, what we have to look toward is what is that voice saying? Okay? So he said there's this, this voice that's speaking maybe within the church, whether it be in tongues or whether it be in prophecy, does it edify the church? Is it to bring honor and glory to a person or does it edify a church? All that to say this. When we're fighting and struggling with these voices and these thoughts that we have as to which one is God's, we have to ask ourselves a question. What is the voice saying? I mean, what is the message ultimately? What is the message being told to me? What am I, what is, what am I trying to, to believe here? Is it just a, because here's the bottom line. If I'm hearing a voice, of con, a, a voice of condemnation, that is not God's voice. Hear me on that. What is, what is condemnation? Condemnation means to be condemned. If I'm hearing a voice, whether it's somebody saying this to me or whether it's Satan whispering it in my ear, whatever be the case, if I hear a voice telling me I'm worthless, telling me that I have sinned and God is mad at me and I've been cast aside, that's what it means to be condemned. If a, if a building is condemned, what does that mean? It means it's worthless and just ready to be tore down, right? Nobody else wants it. It's condemned. There's no hope for it. And so if I'm hearing a voice of any kind coming through a person, through the enemy, whatever, that, that I feel condemned and worthless, I know for a fact that is not the voice of God. God said, you'll hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way you need to walk in. And so the voice of God comes along. God says, I think it was in Jeremiah, he said, I know how I feel about you. I know what I think about you. God said, the way I feel about you is that I love you. I have a hope for you. I have a plan for you that you might have an expected end. And so if I hear a voice that condemns me, I can know that's not the voice of God. What is this voice saying to me? That's the question I've got to answer in order to determine whether I'm following the wrong voice. If I start following a voice that says I am worthless and I'm condemned and I have no hope and God has cast me aside, Folks, that, that pit only gets deeper. That road will take me down a long road of despair that maybe I could never get out of. And God, believe me, God is standing at the brink of that road with his hands out saying, do not listen to that voice. 
You have tremendous value. I love you with all of my heart. I died for you. So that voice telling me either that God loves me or that God is condemning me, that tells me which voice is God's. The voices of confusion are not God's voice. The, the voices of confusion, Satan, the Bible says that God is not the author of confusion. He is the prince of what? Peace. So God's desire is that there be peace and unity among the body of Christ. Nothing God will ever do to bring about confusion. Satan will, like, God, Satan will take God's works and bring about confusion. But God said, I have a truth and it's right here and it doesn't move. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word, my voice, it's never going to change. It's always going to be the same. So if there's a voice or a teaching, something comes along that confuses that solid doctrine, then he said, that's not my voice. I don't confuse people. People take uh, the very word of God, many, many scriptures, and twist them and turn them in order to confuse people. And God says, I didn't say it like that. Isn't that annoying? You ever say something to somebody and then, you, and then that person goes and tells somebody what you said and only to find out that that wasn't at all what you said? You don't want to be misquoted. I know none of us want to be misquoted. And that's what happens when people take the word of God. God, God has given us his solid word and, he's, and everybody's misquoting him, right? Confusion. God said, no, if it brings confusion, I didn't say it. The voices of Spiritual manipulation are not God's voice. It, God didn't call me to manipulate Ryan into serving Jesus. Some of that goes on within the church. Spiritual manipulation. I'm going to get you to, I'm going to, get you to put $1,000 in my pocket so that I'll pray for you tonight. Or if you'll do this, that, and something else, then God will do this, this, and this, and this. Paul even believed it. I believe Paul said, he said, we don't have to manipulate to get God to do what he's going to do. Amen? This, this voice of spiritual manipulation, we hear so much within church leadership groups, and it's, it's nothing more than manipulation. You have to determine when you're listening to somebody, do I follow that person? Can I have confidence that that person is truly put in place by God? Listen to what they're saying. What are they saying? What questions are they asking? Is it about person or is it about God? Is it about church? Is it about organization? Or is it about souls? Right? Listen carefully and people will talk. People will, will tell on themselves. I had a, I don't know, I probably shouldn't tell this story, but I guess, I guess I will since I already told you there's a story and they'll wonder what it was. Um, I'll just tell a little, little bitty part of it. Uh, there's a gentleman I come in contact with here uh, uh, Friday, I guess. I got a call from uh, a local business and this guy it was just transit passing through town and um, wanting money and, and the whole bit and so uh, I, they wanted me to come visit with him so I did and, and I was very cordial to him you know and of course we don't just give money to people passing through town because you, you know you never know what there's just a protocol you know and you have to check them out make sure they're not wanted by the law and, and all that kind of stuff so, so I respectfully told him I, I couldn't give him any money um, or anything but that I would take him uh, over to McDonald's and uh, buy him some lunch and uh, he got mad at me and started yelling at me and stuff and I said I'm, I'm but, but the way he started yelling at me was he was supposed to be some sort of preacher in some, some sort of organization. He was a minister, and he was heading somewhere to go preach the gospel, I guess, or whatever. And so um, he said, that ain't right, and you know it ain't right. And I, I said, it ain't right to buy you lunch? He said, no, it ain't right because you're not helping me the way I need to be helped. I'm going to have to sleep outside tonight because of you. I said, sir, I didn't leave point A to go to point B with not enough money to get there. 
that wasn't me. That was you. I wouldn't be mean. I'm just like, so um, I said, but I'll, be, I'll be glad to buy you some lunch. You know, we'll, we'll visit a little bit. And, and he starts uh, slinging verses at me. You know what I mean? Verses that don't apply to the situation. You need to read such and such. And, you, and so I could see where this conversation was going. I, I just politely extended my hand, shook his hand, told him to have a nice day. At that point, you're not even getting your cheeseburger, man. I'm out of here. <laughs> and so uh, long story short, he, he kind of went, went on and on, called me a bigot and the whole bit. I mean, just on and on. And, and he said he was going to get a lawyer, which I didn't quite understand where that was coming from. And um, get a, law, a lawyer because I wouldn't, you know, give him money for a hotel room or whatever. But anyway... Um, so finally, I got him calmed down. I said, he asked me if I'd take him over to, to 6063. And I said, I will, if you promise not to say one more word. And he mouthed a little bit. I said, no, I'm serious. Not one word, and I'll take you. You start talking, I want to dump you wherever we're at. I mean, I was, I was done. Done with the situation. But I, but I bring this whole, I bring this whole uh, scenario up to say that this guy was using a little bit of scripture to be manipulative. Right? The, the idea that, and well, first of all, and then the, the thing that really got me was I'm taking him to the truck stop because I'm thinking, you know, maybe he can catch a ride with a, uh, a trucker or something. And as we're passing the motel, he says, well, just drop me off here at the motel. I'll just use my credit card. I'm like, oh, that, that took restraint. I mean, I was like, I don't, I'm not, well, I don't like confrontation. I like to just ease a conversation, you know, an argument as soon as I can. And I was this close to blowing that conversation wide open again. I was like, you're telling, you're blaming me for having to sleep outside when you got a credit card in your pocket. Anyway, but, but I didn't. I just took him to the truck stop and figured he could walk wherever he wanted to go from there. Uh, but anyway, I, I, the reason I brought that up is because it was, um, you know, he, he knew just enough of the Bible to be dangerous and kind of get what he wanted. It was very, very manipulative. It didn't take me long in the conversation to know that that was not God's voice. You see where I'm coming from? Um, on the fir at first, at the service, you know, they, 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 people will say, well, if you, if you put the word ministry in anything, people will believe you and have a heart for you. Uh, I'm at the point now, I've dealt with this so much, like anytime some, somebody comes to me and says, I'm involved with such and such ministry, I'm like, whoop, 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 red flags, you know, all over the place uh, because it's a manipulation. It's not God's voice. That was, that was just not the voice of God I was speaking to that day. We have to have discernment to be able to know the difference. Amen. And that, that comes through being able to train our ear to hear God's voice. We have a, we have a carnal ear that hears what it wants to hear. And so we have to train it. If you, if you take somebody that doesn't really have any kind of musical talent they've never really played any kind of music they use their ears for just you know they know when supper time is and they know when their wife's yelling at them or you know what's or something listen on tv but they've never been able to play if you want to learn to play an instrument you have to train your ear to the tune of that instrument to be able to hear whether it's out or or whether it's in all right and so let me get my little visual aid over here actually this is this would be more of a hearing aid, I guess. There's a song, I'm not, I'm not singing it, but uh, there's a group, a uh, southern gospel group that hung out around Branson. Did pretty well for a good long while. Their name was Chosen, Chosen Few. And they had a song out that, that was called One Clear Voice. And, uh, and it kind of goes along these lines that basically amongst the world of voices that are constantly striving for our attention and ultimately set to deceive us, um, there will always be one clear voice shining through that and how we, we have to learn to tune our ear to hear that one clear voice of God 
in, in order to reject all others. And so when you come to this, this guitar, I've played guitar my whole life, and so I know that for the most part, that's in tune. There's six strings on this guitar, each one of them run by one of these knobs. And when I got all of those knobs in the right spot, and to put where they're supposed to be, it creates a chord that is in tune. I can hear that. I have a trained ear. I've done it long enough. I have a trained ear to know that's in tune. I could sing a song to that. Okay? But, so I'm going to say that each one of these, each one of these knobs represent something in our life that is active towards making sure our ear is in tune with God's voice. Okay? So, I forget which, I always forget which one of these. This is E on the bottom. This E string here will say that it represents our prayer life. Right? If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna really stay, tune my ear, my spiritual ear, so that I can hear when God speaks to me, I have to have a dedicated prayer life. Right? I've gotta be communicating with God if I'm gonna learn how to listen to God. Gotta have that, gotta have that one in tune. This next one is going to be the study of the word. God has given us his word. This is his written word. This is God's voice right here. We think of voice, we think of something that we hear with our ear. But ultimately, that Bible that you hold in your hand is the voice of God, given to us over time uh, by the written word of God. And so if I'm really going to entune my ear to what God is saying to me, I have to know his word and study his word. It's got to be in tune. The third one I'm going to say, this is probably worship. If I want my life, I want to really want to be able to listen to God's voice, I have to know how to worship him. Not a matter of just asking God and asking God and demanding all of these things from God. God, I want you to do this. I need you to do that. It's a time where we stop that and we worship him. We praise him for what he's, what he's already done. When we praise God without any selfish motives, that, that, that it unclogs our ears. I don't want to get gross. I guess I could have done a whole uh, um, visual aid with like earwax and ear swabs, but I, I wouldn't, I won't do that. But it's like, but, you know, when we worship God, there's just something that clears our ears out a little bit, and we begin to get the heart of God. Let's say that this fourth one is church participation, being in the body of Christ and being involved in, in recognizing the needs of the church uh, and being a part of getting that done, making the church, being part of the body, uh, getting to know people. Um, who have uh, that you can pray for and, and get to know and be a part. Um, and, in, and in conjunction with that, even... Um, I, one of these knobs would be uh, giving, helping of other people, self-sacrifice. When we learn to put ourselves aside to help somebody else, we are clearly hearing from God because Satan does not want you to do that. Satan, Satan says to you something like, hey, this is your time, this is your day, these are your resources, let them get their own, um, you know, you take care of yourself. That's what Satan would want us to hear. But God's voice is always saying to us, you have more you need to help you have the ability you need to help those who are less fortunate that's what god is always speaking to us always has and so we're, we're listening to that voice okay i want to have to sacrifice of myself a little bit to help somebody else and then there's just simply the string of humility the string of humility in which the more prideful i am the less i hear from god 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 absolutely made no bones about it when he said i resist the proud i give grace to the humble but i resist the proud those who are humble will hear God's voice in those times when they desperately need it. Those who are prideful and just want life their way, uh, they've got dirt daubers in their ears. They'll never hear the voice of God. So you take all of these things that I just mentioned, and they're all where they need to be. It creates a chord. The world is in tune. We hear that clearly. 
But if you take even just one of those strings out, it sounds horrible. Now, some of you out there maybe don't play music much. You, I mean, there's some of you may say, I didn't hear any difference. <laughs> and maybe so. I mean, I'm being serious. You may not have heard much of a difference because your, your ear's not trained to, to that. Isn't that beautiful? Amazing grace. <laughs> How sweet. You get my point? <laughs> Everybody's like, yes, please stop. <laughs> Your ear has to be able to be in tune. Now, Normally, when you don't have a hundred people looking at you, you can. How many, how many of those strings did I turn? Okay, I, let me take this. Uh, let me take this to a different level here. So. Since my ear is a human ear, <laughs> I really could do a better job of that, I promise. But in this moment, I can't. But this here is a tuner. And even though if I was to get this tuned, it would be somewhat good, I promise you it would be somewhat off. I mean, my ear is fairly good. I can get it close. But I can get it to where I'm thinking, this is in really good tune. And then I put it on a tuner. This is standard. Okay, this doesn't lie. Every note is exactly. So if I line my guitar up with this, then, I, then it is in perfect tune. So even though I think it's in tune, I'll always put it up to this and there's always going to be a, sh a string out. Bottom line is, I, I have to go to the source that is always going to be the same. Amen? And the word of God is always the same. It never changes. God never changes his, his tune. Never changes the plumb line. It's always there. So I have to, if I'm going to make sure that my life, my ear is in tune with, with God, I can't trust my own senses. I can't trust my own opinions. I can't trust my own ears, so to speak. I have to be able to go back to God's word to find out where I'm off. So there's a really good illustration that kind of crashed and burned, but did everybody get some sort of a, you got the message out of that, right? Um, so we, I was thinking, made me think of a, uh, in, I'm, you don't have to turn there, but I'm just going to kind of tell you the story just a little bit. It's actually found back in, in 1 Kings, the 13th chapter. Uh, there was a, this prophet, and it doesn't, it doesn't give him a name. We call him the unknown prophet a lot of times, but he was definitely a godly man. Um, and God had used him in some pretty cool ways. He had, uh, just for an example, uh, the, the king of it was Jeroboam, I get all the names mixed up now, but this prophet had an assignment. God sent him to the king basically to reprimand him for all of the idols that were in the land. It's Jeroboam, so it was. Jeroboam's up there and he's worshiping false idols and there's all these altars and stuff. Well, this prophet, this unknown prophet, he goes up to Jeroboam and he basically says, 
uh, hey, this is not going to go on forever. God's going to change this. And Jeroboam, I mean, uh, the prophet begins to prophesy that one day the bones of the false prophets will be burned on those altars. All these altars are coming down. God's going to get rid of them. And, and, and which literally happened, there's a king by the name of Josiah who uh, later rose to power and did just exactly what this prophet uh, said was going to happen. But Jeroboam, the, the king, he was mad because this prophet's telling him basically, hey, you're, you're going down the wrong path. You're listening to the wrong voice. And so the king points at this prophet and he tells his soldiers, seize him, throw him in jail. And when he did, his arm just shriveled up. And he realized, okay, maybe I'm messing with the wrong man. And the guy began, the prophet begins to explain to him, hey, this is the real deal. And so Jeroboam said, okay, 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 please, can you, can you pray to your God and fix my arm? And, and uh, the prophet prayed, and the guy's arms stuck right back out. So it was obvious this was a man who knew the voice of God and had been used by God. And Jeroboam was so blown away, he's like, man, that was, that was really cool. Um, I see that I was wrong. You really are a man from God. Why don't you come back to my house and uh, let's, uh, you know, come back to my house and we're going to cook up a meal and, and, and eat and, and visit a little bit. And the prophet said, now this is the, this is the key, you have to remember this. The prophet said, no, I, I cannot go back with you because God gave me a word. This is the important part. God said to me before I even came into this city, that I was to walk in, give this message from God, and then leave the country. I had to, he, the, the, the command that God gave was that I was not to eat or drink while I was there, and that I was to leave a different way than I came in. So if I come in, I'm going I'm I'm to drive into town on the Kabul side. After I give my, uh, my word from God, I'm not supposed to swing by McDonald's or anything or talk to anybody. I've got to go out the mountain view side. That's what, that's what God's command was. And so he told the king, I can't, I can't do it, I'm sorry. And so he leaves. Well, as he gets gone, there's another prophet in the land. I'm going to call him the old prophet. The prophet we just talked about, we'll call him the young prophet, and this new guy we'll call the old prophet. That way we won't, because the Bible doesn't give either one of them a name. So old pro, young prophet, old prophet. This old prophet hears about this whole thing that just happened. And so he gets on his donkey and he goes, he flies down the road as fast as he can to catch up with this young prophet. And he said, hey, are you the one that, you know, did this whole thing with Jeroboam and stuff? And he said, yeah, that's me. And the old prophet said, well, won't you, I'd like to hear about this. You know, obviously you're a man of God. I'd like to speak with you a little bit. Won't you come on back to my crib and uh, we'll, we'll eat and drink and we'll just talk about this and visit. And the young prophet said, no, I'm sorry, I can't do that because God told me he reiterated, God told me that when I came here, I was to uh, leave a different way than when I came and that I was not to eat or drink while I'm here. So I'm sorry, I can't go. Here's where, here's where the story changes. The old prophet says, oh, well, I'm a prophet too. And an angel came and spoke to me and told me to tell you that it's okay for you to come back to my house and eat with me. Okay. Now, God didn't tell him to do that, but this old prophet said that he did. So you, we have, you have to be very, very careful about people who say, God told me to tell you. Amen? There's a lot of that that goes on in the church of Jesus Christ. God told me to tell you. Well, if anybody comes to me and says, God told me to tell you, there, there better be something resonating in there. I'll say, I'll, say, well, I'll tell you what, when I talk to him tomorrow, I'll ask him about it, right? God told me to tell you, he sent an angel 
and told me to tell you that you need to come on back to my place. Now, what the young prophet should have heard was, right? Should have been, wait, something's not in tune. I mean, something's not right. Because I know that God told me definitely, and I know that God is not a God that he changes his word, but this guy's, I mean, he said he talked to an angel, so I guess I'll go. And so he goes back, he eats with the guy, he drinks with the guy, they have a conversation. And this is the part I never could quite understand. In the middle of the meal, the old prophet all of a sudden stops and God gives him a prophecy. And this, guy, this old guy begins to prophesy against the young prophet and says, well, you disobeyed God. Which, to which the young prophet's probably thinking, uh, yeah, you told me you disobeyed God and well, you're going to die. And so the young prophet gets on his donkey, leaves, gets just a ways down the road, and a lion jumps out of the brush and kills him. Seem harsh? Maybe, but hey, you take it up with God, not me. Bottom line was, here's the lesson in it. There was a voice, a faithful voice behind him saying, this is what I want you to do. He knew what the voice of God was because his life, his life had been tuned into it. But he allowed somebody who was deceitful and manipulative, somebody that seemed spiritual that wasn't, to come in and, and turn one of the keys just a little bit so that it was no longer, it's no longer in tune. It was no longer a clear picture of God's voice, and it, it ended up destroying him. Amen? Those things can happen in our everyday life. I like, I like being your pastor, and I like teaching you the Word of God, and I try my very, very best to keep it simple. And to stay right to it without adding too many of my opinions anyway. Um, but you understand today that your link to God is not through me, I hope. That week after week after week, you listen to God's voice through me. Not, not, because, not because I'm this conduit of God's power. No, it's just that God has gifted me with the ability to speak his word and, and teach his word. And so you listen to God's voice through me uh, week after week, but I am not the only means by which you can hear God's voice. Amen? That you can literally hear God's voice 24 hours a day, seven days a week, even when I'm not around. God desires to speak to his children, but in order for that to happen, our life has to be, our ears have to be tuned in. Amen? We have to want that voice. Um, the more you know somebody personally um, you begin to know what they would say and not say right if here's an example so if, if Conger come up to me and I trust Conger Jeff's one of my best friends and I trust him but if he was to come up to me and say hey I was talking to Tina and she told me to tell you to give, her, give me uh, the keys and title of her Camaro, that she didn't want it anymore and she wanted me to have it. Okay, I trust Jeff and he's never really given me any reason not to trust him, but that doesn't sound like something my wife would say. You know, I know her very well. And she knows me, and so I know what she would say and what she wouldn't say. And so 
in that instance, I'm not going to just toss him the keys and the title and say, well, boy, you got more out of her than I ever could. You know, I mean, I mean, she, won't give, she won't give it to me. You know, she, would let me, she won't even let me drive it. But, okay, if she says so, and just toss him over the keys, that, that wouldn't make any sense. I know her heart, she would never say that. And no matter how much Jeff tries to convince me that's what she said, I'm not going to believe it. In fact, the matter is, I'm going to go to her and say, pretty sure... You didn't say this, but did you? I'm going to go back to the source, right? Because I know her. On an intimate, close, personal relationship, I know how she feels about things. And all of those things we talked about a minute ago that keep our life in tune, the, the, the more we study the life of Christ, we know how he acted in all of life's situations. We know his teachings. We know what he has spoken, not only to the world, but to us individually. Amen. And so when something comes along to tell me something the opposite, I want to be so close to the Lord and have a, a knowledge of what God's heart is so that when the enemy comes to lie to me, I can think to myself, well, that doesn't sound like something my Lord would say, right? I think you ought to, I think you ought to take that guy that called you a bigot and go dump him off uh, Indian Creek Bridge. <laughs> that doesn't really, it's tempting, but that doesn't really sound like something God would tell me to say. I mean, God would probably tell me to speak kindly to him, right? And I did. We got to know, it's more about knowing God. And you hear us say this all the time, that this is all of this. Church, it's, all, it's so much more than just a religious thing. It's about that personal walk with God, that personal relationship where you can know him and he can know you. Personally, if, another, if there was not another person on the planet that God would make himself available to you, that should bring some comfort to you, amen? And, and spark something in you that wants to, to and be eager to know him, to seek out and find out what God would have you say. There are, Jesus himself said, look, the closer it comes to the end of time, the more people are going to say, I'm Christ. There's going to be false leaders and uh, uh, Matt and Jennifer and the 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 uh, college age group class, the life group, have been studying different cults and, and false religions. And uh, there's always somebody within those situations that um, claim to be speaking on God's behalf. So the take, take your Bible, and this is not a slam against them. I'm just, I'm just saying it's always amazing to me how easily people can be deceived. I mean, it's crazy. When I hear about these crazy people who are out here trying to get people, trying to convince people of some of this crazy stuff, I'm like, that's, that's nuts. The only thing more crazy than that is the fact that people will believe them. And they'll get a following because they take God's word and they'll use part of it, misquoted or partially quoted, and it's so very dangerous. Yeah, this is God's word, but then God spoke to me. You know, this angel appeared to me and gave me... 12 golden tablets, and now we're supposed to do it like this. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. It's one reason why we got the Bible in the form that it's in. This is it. There is no new revelation of God beyond this. The Old Testament brought us up to Jesus Christ. It was all about the revelation of the Messiah that one day would come to the world and take away the sins of the world. And then it was all now we're looking to that revelation, to the moment when Jesus comes back in all of his glory. But as far as truth, and that is truth, there is no new revelation, no new man to come along and say, well, now we got to take it this way. No, 
We have to have our ear tuned in to the voice of God. Every time you listen to the news, every time you listen to a Christian talk show, you have to know what God's heart is. What is God saying? Ask those questions. Hey Amen. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave you with this, this little thought. Have I been up here that long? Man, you guys need to get like an air horn or something whenever I go. There was one instance here, and uh, I won't go through the whole thing. You, you got to look it up and read it this week. It's, it's found in 1 Kings chapter 22. It's an instance where basically uh, the king of Syria and the, and the king of, of Israel were kind of at a, at a time of peace. And uh, Jehoshaphat, got, they get to looking around and they realize, well, you know what? We still don't have Ramoth Gilead odd back. They'd lost some land in some former wars. They're like, we still don't have that land back. We ought to go and get that land. That, that land is rightfully ours. We ought to go get it. And so uh, Ahab and, and Jehoshaphat are kind of conversing. Should we? Should we not? Well, Jehoshaphat comes up with a great idea, as we always should. Jehoshaphat says, well, we shouldn't do anything until we inquire of the Lord. Let's ask God and see what he has to say. And so they go and they get 400 prophets. And they tell these 400 prophets, here's the deal. We lost Ramoth Gideon a long time ago, but we're thinking about going and getting it back. We're kind of in a time of peace right now. We're thinking about going and getting land that belongs to us. Will, will God give us favor in this? 400 prophets all said the same thing. 400 prophets who supposedly were speaking the voice of God to them said, yep, God is going to give you victory. Just go right on up there and take it. It's all going to be great. And you would think 400, 400 out of a whole, 400 prophets out of 400 prophets, that's a pretty good ratio. I mean, that's almost 100%, right? Every one of them was saying, go, God's going to give you victory. But Jehoshaphat was like, I, I put my guitar down too soon. He was like, bring, you know, it's like, wait a minute, there's a string out here somewhere. There's just something just, his, his ear was in tune with God's ear and something about this whole thing just didn't sound right. He's like, I don't know, 400 people all want to, he said, isn't there anybody else, isn't there another prophet around that we can ask? And Ahab said, yes, there's one, but I hate him. That's literally, that's literally what he says. There's Micaiah, the prophet Micaiah, but I hate him. He never prophesies good to me. And I ask him something, it's always negative. And all these guys, want, all these guys ultimately the 400, were telling those kings what? What they wanted to hear. Wanted to hear. And I know God well enough to know, he's never going to tell me every time what I want to hear. And so Joshua was like, but bring him in. Ahab's like, yeah, I'm telling you, he's a, he's a jerk. He's not gonna, he's, he, never, he never gets on board. So Jehoshaphat convinces him, bring him in. I want to talk to him. And so, and so the, they send somebody to go get Micaiah. And so this servant, he goes and he gets Micaiah and he's filling him in on the whole story. All right, now look, they want to go take this place. 400 prophets, and no doubt this servant, whoever he is, he knows Micaiah. He knows he's not a compromiser. But he's trying to reason with him. Look, 400 people are saying that they should go, that's going to be fine, and they want to know what you think. Micaiah, for once in your life, would you just go with the flow? For once in your life, would you quit being the bird trying to swim upstream? Maybe the fish trying to swim upstream. <laughs> but you got to admit, it would be more difficult for a bird to, fly, to swim upstream. Just go with the flow. Just go in there, tell them it's going to be fine. 
And so Micaiah, he goes in. I can, I can visualize it. You know, he goes in, smile on his face. You know what the, sometimes the best thing you can give a person is what they want? It's the worst thing for them, but sometimes you just got to do it. So he walks in, and I imagine him with some of a, somewhat of a, ca- uh, a half-cocked grin on his face. Um, and they give him the whole story. And what do you think, Micaiah? Micaiah says, yeah, go on. God will give you peace. You got it made. And Ahab, who's hearing what he's wanting to hear, says, Micaiah, how many times have I told you that when I ask you a question, you tell me the truth? I want you to be honest with me. I don't want you to make it up. Bottom line was, he knew that Micaiah was putting on a front. And so Micaiah said, okay, here we go. And he tells him, you're going to die in this. It's not going to be a successful mission, and you're going to lose your life. And so Ahab throws Micaiah in prison. He says, you're going to be in prison until I come back safe. And Micaiah, in so many words, says, well, bring me a pillow. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm going to be here for a very long time because you're not coming back. And that's exactly what happened. But Micaiah said this. All I can do is speak the word that God gives me to speak. I can't adjust my word to tickle, tickle your fancy. I can't adjust, I can't water down God's word to keep it from making you feel uneasy. I have, I, what Micaiah ultimately is saying is, I'm hearing what God is saying and all I can do is repeat that verbatim. There's only one voice that matters. And that's the voice of God. We can convince ourselves of any other voice. It always ends in destruction. What is God saying about this? Jesus used himself as a, as a parable, used himself, you know, uh, talking about the, him being the shepherd. Shepherd in the sheep. And in, in, in John chapter 10, he's saying that the sheep, you know, the shepherd, his number one priority is to care for the sheep. His number one priority is to take them wherever there's food, take them wherever there's water, put them in a fold, put them in a place where they're protected. And a shepherd will be the one to fight. If a wolf or a bear comes to try to take away one of the lambs, it will be the shepherd that fights. He said a good shepherd isn't going to just say, eh, I've got some others. Bear's got to eat too. You know? He said, no, a good shepherd will go out and fight the bear for that one lamb. That's, that's the point Jesus is driving home. The one lamb matters the most. And Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. They will not listen to another. If somebody else comes in and tries to act like the shepherd, tries to convince the sheep that he's got better pasture somewhere, he said, my sheep will never follow a strange voice. They hear my voice, they know my voice, and every time they follow my voice, it leads to water. Every time they follow my voice, it leads to food. It leads to protection. My, my sheep know my voice and they trust what I'm saying to them. They will not listen to another voice. And he gives that whole parable to show that relationship and what that should look like between us and him. That there's plenty of voices, plenty of false Christs and false religions and things trying to get us to, to follow. But when, is, when has Jesus not been faithful to us? When has he not been right there to cleanse us of our sin when we repent? When has he not been there to meet our needs time and time and time again? Jesus is a good shepherd. We know his voice in our heart. That spirit 
that, that speaks to us. We know what God is saying to us and we need to be like those sheep and just faithfully follow our shepherd. When we hear a voice that's not his, we learn to ignore it. Discernment, discernment, discernment. Say it with me, discernment. Say the word again, discernment. What's of God? What isn't of God? What is God's voice? I want to hear it. I want to know it. Amen. Bow with me this morning as they prepare to sing.